Thank you for tuning in to The Arts in Business, a podcast that explores how artistic sensibilities can positively impact the business world. I am Sebastian Grube, an artist, entrepreneur, and communications professional who aims to build a more compassionate world through amplifying voices. I am also the founder of Beyond Comms, a communications agency that unearths and amplifies the stories that inspire founders to build sustainable and impactful businesses. So let's dive in. Hello, listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today, I have Noura Ali Ramahi, an Emirati-based an Emirati artist based in Abu Dhabi, the United Arab Emirates. And she recently showed her solo exhibition, Allow Me Not to Explain, at the project space at NYU Abu Dhabi. Her work has been featured in solo and group exhibitions across the UAE, and she earned a bachelor's degree in business administration from the American University of Beirut. I know Nora from my work with NYU Abu Dhabi, where she supports the Arts Center at NYU AD on their advisory circle. And she also works as a learning and development professional with Tawazun Council. The council is the UAE Defense and Security Acquisitions Authority for the UAE Armed Forces and Abu Dhabi Police. So I'm super excited to dive into her artistry, the sensibilities she has gained, and how they connect across her artistic and professional practices. Nora, thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure to be here. Happy Amazing. to be here. So the first question I start with is, uh, did you bring a vessel and a beverage of choice? I did. It's my water with uh, orange blossom extract. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, I brought um, I brought a blue mug. Uh, it, it has a little coral inside, actually. You, you can't see it, but it's red. Um, it's hand handmade this I found this um in Istanbul actually in Turkey and um so none of the cups are the same size and the same shape which is kind of really cool <laughs> that's cool that's cool yeah. yeah 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 unique yes you're a prolific artist you work across a variety of mediums in the visual arts and I also read in one of the recent interviews that you gave that your family is also has arts practices um I think your father and your sister are uh, poets, your mother paints, and uncle, I believe. So tell our listeners a little bit about how you came to your artistic practice, because you also then studied business administration, which um, is a yeah. kind of a completely different direction. It is absolutely different. So, I mean, art is part of the family, as you mentioned. My father's always been writing poetry. Um, my mother picked up painting actually when we moved to the UAE way back in 1989 uh, her brother my uncle is probably the first introduction I ever had to anything called art like mm -hmm. I think my very first experience was actually looking at a painting or seeing someone and actually meeting the artist that was him and I think in a very in a, you know in a way he's been a very big influence in a very subtle indirect way but yeah like my earliest experience is experiencing his art but none of them took it as um, professionally. You know, my mm -hmm. uncle painted for himself. My mom painted for her for herself until I'm the one who put together an exhibition and we 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 showed her work together. So we've always looked at this as a hobby. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I don't know if it's like my generation. I don't want to sound too old, but you know, it, like pursuing art wasn't something that was very popular or 
you know, really encouraged. So yeah, when I chose to study something, I studied business, you know, because it can get me a job. But the the art thing was always there in parallel somehow, you know, in the background. You know, the the fun thing, the the hobby, the the thing I, I play around with every once in a while. Same thing for my mom, same thing for my uncle. It's like it's our it's something we tap into when we when we're trying to express something or on certain occasions. So yeah. Yeah. So that that's me ask how you, it is. Yeah. Would you now describe yourself as a professional artist? Oh, I I have a hard time actually descri- describing myself as an artist. So to put the, mm. the word professional before it is even harder. I, I don't know. I feel like this kind of, uh, not label, but this kind of attribute needs to be given to me by someone else. I don't mm. know. I really have a hard time. I have used the word. I don't use it comfortably. When I'm introducing myself, I like to say, yeah, you know, I'm I'm an artist. I say it with a bit of hesitation, not because I don't feel it. It's just, I feel like it's, I'm proclaiming something that may not be true if mm. received by everybody. You know what I mean? So, um, professional no i'm 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 an aspiring artist i would say <laughs> i'm uh, no i don't think there i don't know if there is such a thing professional i mean yes i i don't pursue it uh solely i do have a job as you mentioned but um it's uh it's a calling it's like an an ongoing calling that i that i follow yeah, yeah. wherever it leads does that make any sense? I don't know. It, no, it does. It makes total sense. I mean, because I, I feel. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's for me and all of like the, the way that when I've explored my identity and um, because I studied the arts, I, I mean, I, I did an undergraduate degree in music and theater. So I, I wanted in my mind, I was going to become an artist. Um, and I would still describe myself. I would define myself as an artist, which is something that I've worked really hard to um within myself to be able to comfortably say um, without having without the pressure of um, the production that comes with that like having to produce mm. work all the time or or you know show that you're an artist I think um, so but but as I as I started to continue to think about that um, and I wrote about this in one of uh, one of the articles for my newsletter I there is a difference for me between being an artist and being a professional artist and I think for me, putting the word professional in front of it means you're doing it almost like a job because then mm. your livelihood depends on it. Your income de- can yeah. depend on it. Um, so I like yeah. asking that question to see. Yeah. Um, so no, yeah. I'm not a professional artist. <laughs> As for that definition. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. No. <laughs> but but the, the, what you said, art as a calling, it really shines through what you how you started um, describing it because it's always been there it's always been peripheral and and part of your practice so that's I that's a really that's an interesting interesting thought and interesting kind of definition um which leads me to that next question which is then um when you hear artistic sensibilities what does that mean to you uh, I actually made some notes yesterday do you mind if I because no of course some, not you know when I read through the you know some of the questions I thought I don't want to forget this because it's it, it's very important. So I wrote, observe things deeply, feel things deeply, not afraid or inhibited, 
to be in awe of things, even little things. So your mind sees the world not for what it is, but its potential and what it can be and what ideas it can spark. Yani. And I feel like for me, these sensibilities means that in my head, I'm constantly creating things, you know, as I gaze on this world. I, I read a, uh, an article in the Muhammad Ahmed Brahim book that was recently released mm. uh, on the occasion of the Biennale exhibition that he's doing in Venice. And uh, one phrase stuck out is that artists gaze at the world and then they tell us what they saw. I don't know, this really, this for me is a huge part of artistic sensibility, me as a person, as, a, as an artist myself, you know, and you have the need to translate what you see. So you gaze deeply, you, you, you're constantly creating something, you're seeing beyond what you're actually seeing, and then you want to show what you saw to, to people through your art. So it's it's a huge form of expression of capturing a specific moment, living it again, and by doing that, you live it more deeply and more profoundly. Mm. Mm. That's Catherine. my very long definition of sensibility. <laughs> no, I love that. I love that. That's uh, it was almost like a little poem. Honestly, the way you read it, it was beautiful. yeah, it's well, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I love I love poetry. I love writing poetry. So yes, when I when you ask that question, it's true because it's something that's very, very important for me, yeah. you know, um, and it's, you know, since, since art became much less peripheral for me in the past few years, since like, I would say 2015, when I decided to actually hold my first exhibition and I started planning for it, um, it's something that's intertwined in everything I do pretty much you know to varying degrees you know so on my morning walks which are my my ritual they're part of my art process you could say that's when their the sensibilities are heightened you know because it's where I'm walking I'm in my mind with the trees and the birds and even if it's like a billion degrees outside in Abu Dhabi and it's humid it's just it's there and I'm feeling a lot of things and I write down poems sometimes and I'm constantly translating what I'm seeing right there on the walk. But then to another, to, uh, you know, throughout different parts of the day, it's bits of conversation that spark up that sensibility. It's a little thing that I might read. It's something that a child of mine can say or something I see on TV or a picture or whatever. And so they start to spring up, you know, that sensibility, it's like a radar almost. You know, and yeah. sometimes it's on full alert and sometimes it's just still there scanning in the background for something, storing information to be yeah. retrieved later on. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the beautiful thing about artistic sensibilities. It's even if you're not consciously engaging with them, they're always there. If you're engaging with an artistic yeah. practice, it's always in the background and it kind of informs your your interactions or the way you see the world or interact with the people that you're around. And that's why I love doing this podcast and talking to people like you, because I want to bring that, bring that conversation a little bit more um, alive because I don't think we're having that conversation a lot. Um, yeah. I, I want to take that. I want to take your definition a little bit apart and dive, dive uh, into two parts, sure. especially so that uh, gazing deeply and observing deeply. Describe to me what the deeply 
means? What what is the significance of that deeply rather than just gazing, observing, or feeling? Yeah, um, <clears throat> when I walk, and again, I'm going to talk a lot about my walking because yes. that's, <laughs> so I'm sorry if it's repetitive, but it's very, you know, it's part of my life. Um, I walk pretty much in the same place every morning. Yeah. So I live near a golf course. And so I wake up super early between five and six. Sometimes there's most of the time there's no light even outside. And I take pretty much the same route. Yeah. I trespass all over the golf course before <laughs> it opens. Everybody there knows me. So they don't stop me, even the security. But walking through the same place every single day, you'd think that it might get boring or it's like, okay, what am I looking at today? But that's not the case. This is where the sensibility comes in and where the gazing, there's always something new to find. Mm-hmm. The bare minimum, there's the sunrise. There's the sunrise and there's the this transition between the darkness and the light. And every day it's different. There is no, There are no two days that are the same. And so for someone who is, maybe doesn't have or hasn't thought about that sensibility, they could just say, oh, it's another sunrise. Oh, the sun's up. Oh, the light is coming through the tree. But for me, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for it. I'm anticipating it. I'm excited by the idea that, okay, I'm so glad I got up early and I walked and I get to witness the sun coming up. That's the deeply. It's not something I take for granted. It's something that every day sparks this feeling where I want to just stand there and sigh. And I've taken a billion pictures of the sunrise or the sunset or the sun in general or light. And it still amazes me. That, because I feel it. I feel it. It touches yeah. me. It makes me want to write. It makes me want to come back home and draw something. It makes me want to go back every day see it again and again this is deeply i i I see the bird there's a specific bird that i mean i I got to know a lot of birds and i now recognize them by their voice even you know and there's a blue bird there's a turquoise bird there which has the ugliest voice right (laughs) it sounds like it's coughing it constantly sounds like it has covid really But when I hear it, I actually go and seek it. You know, I want to see that bluebird because once it flies, it has the most amazing turquoise blue wings. And blue turquoise is my favorite color. And I just want to look at it because just appreciating its beauty, you know, taking a moment to actually appreciate the beauty of something, to be, if I want to take it even further to the whole mindfulness thing, to be grateful, to be in the moment. That's what it means to gaze deeply and to see deeply yeah thank you for sharing that i love that and yeah it's this idea of just looking again and again and again even if you're looking at the same thing you will discover new details um texturally maybe but also for yourself and that's i think that's the other part of sensibilities it's not just about it's it's really engaging all of your senses so exactly what you were saying you're you're feeling it, you're receiving the sunrise, you're receiving the bird and the turquoise of and the color of that bird. And you're observing how your state changes. I mean, it is veering into mindfulness, but I think it's an important part of that conversation too. It is really, absor- it, it requires self-reflection for you to understand, to, to see how is this experience affecting me? And how's the sunrise today that might look like the one yesterday 
affecting me in my state today. Maybe I didn't sleep well enough or I had a really kind of tumultuous evening and I'm working through that with the sunrise. I, it's yeah, I love I love that yeah. gazing yeah. deeply. Yeah. And it's not just about how I feel. I, I almost feel like I want to transmit it to people. Mm. You know, that's mm-hmm. even taking it to another level when you're feeling something so deeply and I feel the need to write about it and I write something about it and I share it. And so it sparks something in another person. Uh, so that's, you know, where you start spreading yeah. these these feelings and ideas. So, and yeah, that, but it starts yeah. inside. It starts inside, but that brings me to the other, to the second part that I wanted to uh, dive deeper into, which is, you said, living it again. Um, and I think that is that sharing with other people. So tell us a little bit more about what does that mean for you, living it again, in that sense of artistic sensibilities? You know, when, uh, so when, when something really inspires me in that moment, and spontaneously I write so much on my phone I actually I I use my notes all my poems are on my on my phone um so I start to write as I'm walking and uh my sister is usually the the poet is usually the first person who will receive it she's kind of like my my first critic you know what I mean uh I like to see her response and anticipating the response and then getting that positive response like when she says oh I, I felt that oh you know that I like the imagery or that felt so deep or uh then it's my father and my mother and then I might post it you know on my Instagram and then people react to it you know you get a little heart here oh, that's beautiful it's nice it's you know you you maybe somebody's sitting in an office somewhere or they're stuck or whatever they took a moment to read something that I wrote and it affected them and affected them uh, enough to respond to something, to say, oh, that was cool or, that, or not, or just, you know, having read it. Um, yeah, it captures it. And, and then I read it again. I like to read over the stuff that I've, I've written before just to see its impact. If it still impacts me, I'm satisfied with it. Mm. I don't edit. I, I don't edit what I write. I might remove a little A or the here and there, but... I never rewrite because I feel like that uh, would be like applying a filter to a picture, uh, you know? <laughs> yeah. If I, I mean, this is how I felt in this moment. You know, if I wrote this poem using these words, this is how it felt to me at that moment to go back and edit it. Except if there's, I might get stuck on a word, there's something that I, you know, I, I'm, this is not capturing it's correctly I might find the word afterwards and say oh yeah that was it yes fine that's I can do that but to edit and try to like embellish and add uh, add filters to the word I don't like to do that now that's just poetry when I come back home it could be that I I suddenly feel like drawing or painting or using a certain color and again this is a much more abstract form of of expression but it's there and I'm, I'm capturing it and I'm putting it and I'm going to look at it again. And it's going to bring back a certain moment or a certain source of inspiration or a certain mood or it's a phase. It could be over a period of months or whatever. This is what I mean by reliving it. It's just, it's captured and it's there. Mm-hmm. I interpreted the way I I felt it, but other people can see it in their own way with their own filters and sensibilities and experiences. 
Yeah, I, there's so much. I feel like there's such a big learning in there too, because when when I started to create and and in my context right now, maybe I would call it creating content. But there is this constant need to edit yourself and to to think about how is this going to perceived and is it going to perceive the mm -hmm. way I want it to per to be perceived, you know? Yeah. And then you go mm -hmm. into this loop of of editing and editing and making sure that it's supposed to be the way it you you mean it to be but there's something so beautiful in the rawness that you're describing of just owning the moment and saying this is how I felt this is my experience and maybe you share it with people maybe you don't but it mm -hmm. is that and I think I'm coming to realize that too with with the writings that I'm doing and, and just other things that I'm creating is we need to take that away a little bit. Like I get bogged down by that if I if I think about it too much, and I just need to say no. This is this is my voice. This is my opinion. So I'm just going to put it out there and see what comes back. And I think that it, it can be so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is why I my the exhibition that just closed at NYU last week. Allow me not to explain. It didn't just come out of nowhere. You know, it's for a year or so. I was working on this certain body of work, drawings and, and paintings, and etc. And I'm having conversations with a close friend of mine, who's kind of an unofficial advisor of mine when it comes to art. I just like my sounding board. And I'm saying, okay, if I were to show this, I don't know how to explain it. What, what is, do I, what's the label I'm going to put on it? Is it how do I explain it? Do I, do I need to impose an explanation just to make it sound like it's artsy so that it fits, you know, in the gallery language? And you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then it was actually on a walk. And after having debating things, okay, is it about meditation? Do I say that this is about mental health? Because now it's like this the big hot issue. Should I link this big hot issue to this work of mine? Maybe it'll you know, resonate more with people or it's like the in thing, but it felt fake. I, I really couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't even write two words about it. It just felt imposed and unreal. And so again, on one of my walks, um, I wrote, allow me not to explain like A-L-L-O-W. And I started writing this acrostic poem about allow me not to explain. And I thought, and after finishing it, I thought, hmm, maybe that's the title of my next exhibition. Sort of like Seinfeld, you know, did you know Seinfeld, the series? Yeah, yeah. Where he, he says, like, this show is about nothing. It's nothing. Mm. It's about nothing. It's about nothing, but it's about everything. So rather than, so again, this, this is just one form of of trying not to, not to edit too much, not to filter too much, not to not to judge, not to assign something that's fake. You know, art has to be really pure and honest. Otherwise, it will be presumptuous, you know. Yeah. People will feel it. People yeah. will feel it. I, I didn't want it to be like that. This is what I did. That's it. Take yeah. it. Leave it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it reminds me. I mean, this is completely like off off art topic but I keep yeah. getting because of the marketing consultancy that I have now I keep getting a marketing content on my on my social media platforms and and the people always tell you follow the trends like use this audio on your video um and 
that which is actually not true. There are so many other videos about if you're a brand or if you're a person, stay true to yourself. So create the content that you want to create because it's meaningful to you and your community and don't chase the hot topics. Mm. Um, don't mm -hmm. attach that to your name. If, if it makes sense, then yes, but don't build your brand, don't build your company based on that. And I think that's something that for me, it, it is rooted in arts and artistic sensibilities because artists are themselves. Like you have to understand yourself and you have to own yourself and if you want to be successful and you want to your your community and your viewers to respond to you, you need to be truthful and authentic. And so thank you for sharing that. And I just wanted to draw that connection because it reminded me of that. And yeah. And this is the point of the podcast, bringing things together. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. 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 So in that vein, um, tell us about your work with Tawazun Council as a learning and development professional. My background is business. Um, and my first job was uh, building these like financial models and financial analysis and all that. And then when I left that job, I started doing some consulting work with uh, with Tawazun in terms of delivering training. Mm. So I was a trainer for a long time. And so by being a trainer, I automatically fell into like the learning and development. And then with time, I stopped doing the training, but now I just organize the learning and development programs. Um, it's work that allows me enough balance to pursue the art side of things you know it's uh it's 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 a rewarding job in itself but it doesn't take over my whole life in a way that you know like oh my god i don't have time for this or i don't have so this is one of the best things about being able to work with this organization yeah and without going into too much, too much detail, of course, are there moments where your artistic sensibilities show up in that professional work? Absolutely. I mean, I was privileged to actually be asked to, uh, to do uh, some artworks for the company. It was five years ago, almost for commemoration day, which is coming up uh, yes, tomorrow. a couple of days. Yeah. So I did a triptych uh with the logo of the commemoration day using my own little you know my color technique or like my signature mm -hmm. uh pattern and so it's you know proudly hanging in the organization but not only that i mean in my office um it was almost like a, a mini studio <laughs> over time it became a studio because i have you know i bring with me markers colors sharpies um and you know one of the things you might know about me is that i like to reuse material so like my last exhibition was all made with like recycled packaging material i don't throw away bottles i don't throw away plastic bags and so i started collecting plastic bottles and i painted on them during my break you know some people doodle everybody doodles when you're waiting on a call or whatever so i doodled on these plastic bottles and so Similar to the shelf you see behind me, I have these two shelves in the office and they were just stacked with colored bottles, almost like an exhibition, a permanent exhibition full of color. And so anytime I had a meeting in my office, we would have to spend at least 10 minutes talking about the bottles. Most people forgot what they came to see me for, but it's, you know, I, so I almost created a little environment that allowed me to just release some of those like, creative moments of 
just to be spontaneous and just to just to recreate that world because that world allows me to think a bit more openly about things. It doesn't have to be only about art. It can be also in, in my job. It's just, you know, you, you see things from a different perspective. You, you're a bit more open to new ideas. So the surrounding makes a difference. And that's how I, I kind of created my own little mini studio at yeah. work. I love that. <laughs> how, has yeah. that how has that change the people who come into your office for those meetings do you observe a change there or what is the difference yeah, the best uh change or response i get mm. is when people actually come to me and say look what i did and they'll show me a little bottle they did or they see that i i had a little drawing and they're like oh look you know we made one of, uh, and i actually have them in my office and so to even if it's one person you know having a little impact on one person getting them to you know, do a little bit something artistic or to release something or to just try something new. It's just awesome. I've done some like mindful coloring sessions. Mm -hmm. Again, so these are ideas just because, you know, there are ideas that come out when, you're, when your mind is, is free and it's, it's flowing and it's smooth and you're coloring. And, you know, people came up to me and they're like, Nora, we haven't colored, I think, since we were in grade seven or six or whatever it is, you know? <laughs> so this is, this is, I guess, my way of giving people a little bit, not imposing it. You can't impose it on someone. But if you just put the right setting, simple thing, a little table, you know, a few, you know, drawings, a few pens and just sit and color a bit of classical music it brings out something in people then they're un they're there's almost surprised like yeah why don't i do this by myself why you know i should do this more often and if they do it's great you know i love that it's almost like i mean you're by existing in that way in your in your professional environment you're giving other people permission to also bring in their curiosities and their yeah. playfulness and their artistic yeah. um sensibilities maybe yeah I love that that's yeah yeah and it's so important not to, like just to exist I think not to impose but to exist because then people will come mm -hmm. to you um yeah. yeah 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 if you just if they just have the opportunity to try something and if they see they see the joy for example that it brings me or the way that I'm speaking about it and it sparks you said curiosity is such an important word in my dictionary yeah. And so, yes, I like people to be curious like me, I like them to, to experiment with things. They don't have to like it. You could experiment with something and decide, you know what? No, I don't like it, but you gave it a try, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That's Amazing. Cool. Yeah. I wanted to um, relate to the to your recent interview with uh, Rana Asfor in the Marcus Review, because you spoke about achieving a state of flow on your daily walks um, based on Susan Cain's book. So I, I got the book off my bookshelf and I have it with me here because I love that book and I love reading <laughs> about the state of flow. <laughs> Great book, um, yeah. Yeah, it's an amazing book. And uh, I wanted to see if if there is any correlation between um, the professional world and the artistic world or artistic sensibilities. Because I think a lot, when personally at least, when I think about a state of flow, I think about it in the context of the arts a musician who is it she is able to to just create music or to to sing and and is in that space um 
or a painter who just forgets the world around them. And I think that's how it was described in the book as well, the state of flow as where you're mm. you're detaching from the social environment around you and you just exist. Um, mm. Do you think there is it is possible to achieve a state of flow in a professional setting as well? I think it is, yes. Um, it won't, it doesn't feel the same. And again, I'm speaking completely about myself. I'm not like, I haven't done any research on flow. I'm not an expert on flow. It's just, it's just when I read that, you know, pa passage in, in the book, it just resonated so much with me. So, because when I'm, when I'm writing a poem or when I'm uh, making a drawing or a painting, it's not the end result that I'm interested in. Mm. I love the process of coming up with the words to translate whatever it is, the light or the bird or what I'm feeling or whatever. It's almost like it's, it's like me against me. You know, I'm in this zone where the world is there, but it's almost like I'm in this bubble. Yeah. And the, the, there are things coming out and it just feels good when I find the right word or the right color or the right combination of things. And it's being created right here at my fingertips. It's almost like I don't want it to end. I don't want this painting to be finished. I don't want the poem to end. I know when it ends, when that flow is interrupted. You can't force it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and yes, the result is satisfying. I'm not saying like, if, okay, wow, I'm, I'm happy I wrote this poem. Or I'm happy I produced this. But it's the process hmm. that's the part that I'm after, you know? And it's it's very fulfilling and it's, now, when you put it in a in a work context, now if if your work is is your passion, there's that, that that's different. Like I, I'm not gonna pretend that my work is my passion. I'm passionate about it because I like to do good work. You know, this is this yeah. is just me feeling the responsibility. But when I'm and like I work from home, I'm at home right now. I am working. I. I mean, I'm not working right now, but I will continue to work. And I was working before and, you know, the, my flow or my productivity and my feeling of satisfaction of doing my work when I'm here in this environment is much more flowy than when I was at work. Mm. Not having to commute, not having the stress, not having the distractions of people around me, not having to dress a certain way or have be confined, you know, it's a bit rigid. Yeah. The workplace, is, there's a rigidity to it because it's, there's a certain protocols and it's corporate and whatever. But when I'm focusing on my work here and it's quiet and I have the home to myself and I'm answering all my emails and I may start at 6 a.m. I'm not bound by working hours, right? I'm working on my own terms and I'm working in my own surroundings and I'm working outdoors now um yeah i do get into a state of flow because okay i'm getting things done and it feels good to get things done off your list not art but it's there i'm i'm in the zone yes i'm i have everything that i need and i'm getting things done and i'm answering people and i'm and there is flow there is definitely a sense of 
uh, flow. It's it's just a different kind of flow. Yeah, no, but but what you're the way you're describing it resonates with me so much, especially when you talked about the flow and in um creating in terms of an artistic mm -hmm. sense and enjoying the process because when when mm -hmm. i when i was um still practicing theater that was like i loved the process the process of being mm -hmm. in the rehearsal room and and working with the actors and working with the designers and solving problems and figuring out how yes. how things change when you make a tiny little change in some other spaces and that it reminded me of working on events with the art gallery for example and how much I enjoy that process too, the process of researching, of thinking about the audience, who, what, what do you want them to, to take away, communicating with the speakers, thinking about the, the process, the flow of the, of the event itself, and then being in it mm. and, and guiding people and instructing assistants, you know, that this, this whole yeah. kind of machinery, um, yes. that process, I enjoyed that process so much. And yeah. I think, yeah. Maybe it's maybe taking that the big idea of the flow away and just focusing on the enjoyment of the process um, could be another way to think about it because that, mm -hmm. that resonated with me so much when you when you talked about it that mm -hmm. way. Yeah. 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 Um, and there is this and there is this feeling of loss that you get when you when either the state of flow is interrupted or the the process ends, isn't there? Yeah, 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 there is, yes. But I think that's what makes it precious. Mm. You know, I mean, maybe if you're in a state of flow 24 hours a day, you'd be like, would that be flow? It wouldn't be flow anymore. It'd just be life <laughs> or whatever, you know? So yeah. It, it, yeah, it, it's there. It could last an hour. It could be a couple of hours. It could be five minutes. But it's it's precious. And you know it, you know it, you know when you're in the zone. It feels, it feels a certain way. And you know when you're not in a certain flow. And mm. yeah, you get to differentiate between them and you get to appreciate that state. And you kind of crave it, you know, mm. you crave to achieve it and you look for other ways to achieve it. Um, yeah, it's yeah. a constant search for the flow. <laughs> <laughs> someone else, someone else, um, Michael Liddick and uh, one of the other people I talked to, talked to for the podcast, he described it as as walking the line and finding the balance mm. of the line. And you know when you're yeah. not on the line, but you're constantly yeah. in search, in search of it, almost like a dance. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. That's a very cool way of describing it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. How, you already talked about this a little bit with with your daily walks, which I love that ritual and that practice. Are there any other ways in which you're nourishing your artistic sensibilities? Yes, I I love speaking with artists, visiting artist studios, visiting art fairs, galleries. Uh, I mean, even even browsing online to look at what's out there in the art world and looking at, you know, watching people produce art or listening to people talking about art. Um, that has really opened up my mind and it keeps opening up. Every time I see something, it's like, oh, you know, that's yeah. cool. That's, you know, it's nice to see how other artists have pushed boundaries you know because you're constantly trying to open up like i i feel like i'm still trying 
there's more that I can do and I'm mm-hmm. finding my space and each little thing helps me open the wall a little bit more or remove it or move it away from me a little bit more so I have a bit more space to move so that's definitely for me huge um certain people certain experiences certain stories that I hear also uh, are you know source of inspiration or certain they move certain things in me that will spark the certain the curiosity to pursue something or to try something to experiment material um i mean especially nowadays with uh, i'm not going to claim to be like this huge sustainability expert again i i do care about the environment and i i start i kind of use art in a way to raise awareness and within my own little audience about the environment by recycling plastic into sculptures and by using, you know, I don't throw away the packaging material, the box that comes in the Amazon delivery, and I transform it because, so for me, I, I'm much more sensitive now to materials. So when I see something, I have this need to, like, I want to touch it. I want to I wanna feel what it feels like. Or what can I do with this? So... It's also materials that I find around me that spark up this uh, sensibility and this curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I want to ask too, if, so, I may, I'm going to make this a double question. So if, um, mm-hmm. and you can decide if you want to answer both or only one of them. If someone wants, if someone has an artistic practice and they want to move into more of a professional space, what can how can they position themselves or um what can they do in order to do that successfully the other side of that coin how can organizations or corporations allow for artistic sensibilities to exist more in their spaces and their cultures mm. okay uh to answer your first question it requires a lot of persistence to break through the art world Okay. Um, and actually, that's not, it's not just the artwork. If you were looking for a job, right, you have to be, it's a competitive market out there. There are lots of people with very similar qualifications seeking an appointment somewhere, mm-hmm. if we want to draw like a little bit of a comparison. In the art world, um, it's not enough to just say, oh, look how much I produce or look how much talent I have. I don't know if anyone actually says that. It's not, it's not that. You you need to make connections. I think the key is connections. You connect with artists. You connect with people. Let people see your work. Uh, they don't have to buy it from you, but connecting from people and having a continuous interaction with people about your work first of all it helps you talk about it more it uh, it allows you to talk about it more professionally it it's almost like practice you know you 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 learn more about yourself when you talk about it you know but being being on the scene you have to connect and interact it's not easy you don't always get the chance to meet artists, but with social media, I must admit, it, there, the access is there. If you're persistent enough, you could actually get to meet a certain artist, no matter how remote they are from you, or they may not even be in the same country or whatever. Connect, get people to interact with you. 
uh, go to shows, go to art fairs, go to speak to people. There's quite a bit of um, maybe rejection. Mm. That's the word in the beginning. Don't you cannot let it stop you. I I I faced it. It's mm. not like you know. I've tried to talk to people in the beginning when I was trying trying you know trying to establish something for myself, and you you know they can be a bit brutal sometimes. Mm. You have to take it and say that's fine. It's okay because at the end of the day, I, I do it for me. Yes, I want to show my work. Yes, I like to have an exhibition because that allows me to give the message that I'm I'm giving, right? But it never stops me. It's not like, oh, this is too hard, or this is not gonna work, or this is because if your motivation is purely commercial or purely fame or glory, it's not the right motivation. It won't get you to a lot of places. It has to be really driven by the inside. Like I'm doing this no matter what. Like seriously, if I never ever do an exhibition again in my life, I will never stop. I'm. I will make this for me because I have to. Because that's when I flow. That's where I am. That's where I be. You know. Without it, it's. And when I think back now on years when I was having kids and I didn't have time to to paint. And I think about now and I think, how? I, I don't know how I survived. How did I survive that time without having this creative outlet? So if it's in you enough, the opportunity will present itself. It's a matter of time. And it's a matter of, you have, you know, it's two ways. You can't have that perception where, oh, I expect you to listen to me. You have to listen to me because I'm an artist. No, no, you earn that, you know. You earn that by being there in these uh, at openings and talking to people and sharing and maybe helping, or you know, sharing. So that then you're... you're accepted into the tribe yeah. i guess <laughs> yeah I, do. I, I don't know if, if this makes sense but really it's it's um uh, it's not easy but if it's inside you somehow the the line that you're mm-hmm. talking about will present itself and, and you'll make the right connection that will get you what you want yeah. but it just takes patience persistence and passion three p's and then the c is community and that idea and of community. sharing and yeah, connection yeah. yeah yeah sharing you can't be selfish about it you can't mm. have expectations like give me no no what can i give you what can i give this community can i do a workshop can i volunteer can i teach something can i you know yeah, yeah. and then someone will notice someone will take notice and that, that line will present itself, like you said. The line yeah. will present itself. Now, the, your second question about organizations, and that's a bit, it's a, a trickier one to answer. Yeah. And it's something that, you know, especially now with these new generations, the younger ones who are creative, they're, they're, they're different. They're different kind of employee. You know, mm. I mean, I even think of my kids, you know, I, 
and try to imagine them in a in a corporate setting mm. and it's it's difficult because they're used to expressing themselves you know mm. they're they want to be heard they want to have an opinion they have an opinion yeah um but how do you unleash creativity in an organization and you need that because now the world is all about innovation right innovation is creativity and practice it's curiosity how do you spark that again i go curiosity is such a big word for me and i'm trying to now embed it into a lot of the lnd stuff that that we do um there has to be um a way to allow people to take risks on their own you need to allow that space it can't yes you, you have to have policies and procedures and everything but you have to make sure that those don't end up stifling people you need to be able to identify give people a chance to shine that you don't have to be at the top of the pyramid to be given the space to share your ideas so there needs to be an outlet and there are so many channels now whether it's like through group chats or online platforms where people can uh, can can share ideas more in a in an unofficial in an, in a less uh, corporate mm-hmm. way you know you need to discover people's talents and we do that to a certain extent um and when you engage with the younger generations and organize they're very good at getting people to speak and engage and communicate so there's a huge role there for like the youth mm. to to get that going because you know, they have the energy you need to get people's energy flowing is that word again yeah uh there is no one way to do it but it's you need to find out people's passions because their passions even though they may not be directly related to their work they can somehow in a in an indirect way have something to add have something new to to show it could be sport it could be action it could be cuz those kinds of those kinds of uh, extracurricular activities ideas they spark up you know ideas they they make connections you know oh suddenly i find out there's another artist somewhere where i work and let's talk and ha- it's 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 not tangible it's not like 1 plus 1 is 2 or do this and that and then you get this result it's so much more abstract but you have to allow people a certain space take a little risk here and there to take ownership of something that they do to to share ideas i think a lot of the time people hesitate you know i have this idea maybe it's a silly idea or maybe no one's going to listen or maybe i don't have authority so it's a lot of a lot of it's quite complex but it's it's doable it's it is it is some people take the initiative like you know i came up with this idea for the mindfulness coloring i'm sure there are other people somewhere out there who have ideas as well they want to engage and do something uh, maybe through walking you know i've done walks for for tawazan and it gets you moving and when you're moving you're engaging you know your your mind and the body and i don't know if i've answered that question no you did it, it is a good question to answer it is i know it's one of the hardest ones uh, but 
I, it is so complex, but I think you put it in a very simple, achievable way, which is that creating spaces for people to take risks. Because I think yeah. it is from from the outside or, or as someone who wants to connect maybe their passion with their professional practice, that is a risky space because mm. your passion is is personal to you. And then bringing that into, into a corporate environment or a business environment means you're revealing a part of yourself to to other people and yeah. and that if there's not that space for for risk or or a space where you feel that you can do that that you won't be rejected or that you you will be accepted even with that part of yourself i think it's so important because only then can people yeah. say okay yes let me try this let me try having the, the conversation this way knowing what I know from my artistic practice or from my mindfulness practice, let me try to bring that into the conversation or let me just try to do a task this other way. I want to try it. I want to see if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But yeah, I think that risk is so, so important. And, and thank you for bringing that up because this is the first time um, so far that, that that has brought into the conversation. So yeah, it's mm, cool. such an important. <laughs> I, I thought I was all over the place. No, no. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, okay, all right, we're good. coming up on time. So I want to ask you uh, the last question, which is a personal one. What are your milestones and what intentions are you setting for them? Um, I don't know if I can call them milestones, um, but I just, I just want to keep doing. I want to keep feeding my curiosity. Hmm. I want to keep experimenting. I want to, you know, so I started playing the cello or learning to play the cello last year. And again, it's not because I'm going to become a musician or anything, but that somehow it's there and it's in my life and the walking is in my life. And I want to hopefully continue to do that. And the art and I have a lot of ideas that I, I haven't had the time to implement yet. So I'm just going with the flow. I think I don't. I want to, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to pretend that I have like this yeah, no. big, big thing that I'm trying to achieve. As long as I keep what I'm, keep doing what I'm doing and keep uh, being able to share what I do, that's it, really. That's, that's beautiful. I yeah. just, I just hope that it continues, you know? I, uh, yeah, that's all. Feeding that curiosity, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just want to keep feeding, being able to feed my curiosity. Yeah, yeah. I want to just keep experimenting with things and trying new things and surprising myself. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, Nora. It was wonderful to have this conversation with you. Thank you. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for inviting me. And it's been a pleasure. Same. Talking Same. to you and listening to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Arts in Business. Episodes are being released weekly, so make sure to follow or subscribe. I hope you have a great week ahead of you.